0: 20 years ago when my son roman was nine years old he started to get into rap music like at the time i had no idea that this would become a huge part of his future all i knew was that as a young christian parent i was terrified because rap music was everything we were afraid of it had cursing it had sex it had violence it had race and uh I, yeah I was just worried about it, man. I I I didn't know what to do. I mean, I tried to turn Roman onto the Christian rap, but like you know, back then, I mean, I think it always is like th- th- it was it was bad. It was you know like hey Jesus is cool, hey I'm into Jesus, you should love him too, right? Yeah. Um, okay, that's my flow. That's my mockery of Christian rap, and it wasn't all that bad, but it was it was pretty bad, and he wasn't interested in it. So I I, I called one of my friends out in Chicago, my friend Andrea, who like knew more about pop culture than anyone I know. And I said, hey, could you make me a CD of positive rap songs of of, like decent stuff, stuff I would like, I would want my kid to hear, but like not from Christian artists, but like from regular artists, like everybody has one or two good songs. And so sure enough, she made me this tape of really good stuff. And we played that, CD in our van for two years. I mean, Roman, we all memorized every song, but the song that I remember that made the biggest impact on him right away was this Kanye West song called Jesus Walks. Kanye West was just coming up back then. And Roman just, he loved that song. And so he got into Kanye. So, and we ended up, you know, buying, I, th- I think it was what, late registration that, or college dropout. I can't remember which, which CD we bought first and Roman was off to the races with Kanye. And 20 years later, guess what? He's still fascinated by Kanye. And you know, we've been on the journey with Kanye. And I was talking with Roman just the other day and he's like, listen, man, he's off the chain. He's, he's, in, he's in left field sometimes, but he is a genius musically. And he says things that other people are only thinking. And I don't know that that has ever been truer then when Kanye comes out with all this anti-Semitic stuff, or maybe not all this anti-Semitic stuff, but like it's been a it's been a theme of his. But it 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 came out recently and it's created all this controversy. And the thing about Kanye is he's saying it, but obviously he's touching a nerve because it's 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 in the culture, it's in the air. And you know then Kyrie Irving does his thing, the basketball player, and promotes an anti-Semitic movie, and then and and then doesn't back down, and you just realize like ah this. Stuff never goes away. It never goes away. And as I was thinking about it, I was thinking about this conversation I had with my friend Mark Oppenheimer um, a couple of years ago on this show where I was talking with Mark and uh and and his friends Stephanie Butnick and Liel, my buddy Liel. But Liel and Stephanie and Mark together host kind of the world's leading Jewish podcast, like literally the biggest Jewish podcast. It's called Unorthodox. And it's it it's it's also the world's funniest Jewish podcast. And these are really smart, literate people talking about all things Jewish or things not Jewish from a Jewish perspective. And when I reached out to them the last time to have the conversation, it was because there had just been this terrible shooting at the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh, which Mark later went on to write a book about. Um, and I was interested not just in how we quote unquote, fight anti-Semitism. But I was thinking like, I don't even think of myself as not anti-Semitic. I'm kind of pro-Jewish, pro-Semitic. Like, I'm like, is that even a thing? Because my attitude has always been that Judaism as a culture, as a group of people, sort of represents all the things that I value as a people. They just seem to, there's a quality about them that is so amazing to me. And so I ended up having this great conversation. And most of the people that listen to the podcast now weren't listening to it back then. And so I thought, you know, this would be a good moment to to pull that out, dust it off, and share with you a conversation that I think is every bit as relevant as it is now. So this is me sharing one of my favorite conversations that we've had on this show with three of my favorite people on the show, Mark and Stephanie and Leo, about a subject that I think uh, will unfortunately be relevant for a long time, and so I think you'll enjoy it. Listen, and then and then hit us with some feedback, and know that you're much appreciated just for being part of this community. So here's me, and Mark and Stephanie and Leo on Humanize Me. The the impetus for me wanting to talk to you guys right now um, was the Pittsburgh um shooting. Because my first instinct after the Pittsburgh shooting was to reach out to all my Jewish friends and just just say, How you doing? Um, and I realized in that conversation that, you know, a lot of the people that I grew up with, that grew up in that evangelical Christian community, or just, you know, Gentile of, of any oak and, and are out, like they have like a weird relationship with Jews. And when something like that Pittsburgh thing happens, they're like, "I don't want to be anti-semitic i and And I started thinking and actually talking with Mark a little bit about like what
1: it means to be actively pro-Semitic. And I don't know if that like is that even a word? So the word you'll hear sometimes is is semitism you know, love of Jews. And um, you know you'll you'll read stuff about about the sort of philo or phylo-Semitism of the evangelical community and um, and, and sometimes it's, it's positive and sometimes it's negative. Like you'll see the word describing people who genuinely truly care for Jews and, and want to know them well and, and, and have their best interest at heart. You'll also see the word referring to, um, the, the kind of people whose ultra Zionism has to do with Jews returning to the promised land so that there can be a second coming of Jesus so that we can all convert and the world can be sort of live in a, in a Christian, dispensation and that's a sort of less positive vision of what Jews are, are good for so you'll see you'll see Philosemitism used in both ways I think
2: right but mark I think I think the the most important thing to note here is that if people really want to be uh, philo-Semitic and, and really feel the need to to be nice to Jews I think the first step is to listen and subscribe to Unorthodox. Right. Our podcast is a good good entry point. It's a gateway. Yeah. That's good. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Definitely. Um does that answer your question, Bart? I I but we're we're all I actually think there it'd be interesting to be pro-Semitic. Um like I think you have a different there's a different connotation you're going for, which is like, you know, how can we help our Jewish friends? How can we be out there being actively like down with the Jews?
0: But you know, it's 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 kind of more than that even like my experience I mean it's funny because when all this anti-Semitism comes up I like I I mean I grew up really differently I mean I grew up in it my dad was an Italian immigrant who grew up in a Jewish neighborhood in West Philadelphia and his mother basically was like, just be more like the Jews just 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 the Jews have it they know what they're doing like <laughs> follow the Jews, love the Jews you know and so he just like it, Which is up funny because
1: some of us grew up in, in in Catholic neighborhoods, and our parents say, "Be more like the
0: Protestants." That's right,
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, yeah, but but I mean, on a, on a pure like look at the world basis, you go like, in terms of, you know, out punching their weight, like nobody has ha- nobody has a bigger impact, bigger positive impact
2: on the world per capita than Jews. Right. Almost like we were divinely elected for for some mission or or something.
3: But it's it's weird. Like when I hear that, I get a little like cringy.
2: That's what I wonder.
3: Because I'm like, "Mm, I don't like like think think about positive stereotypes of Jews. People. A lot of people say like, you know, there's a know, for being point whatever percent of the population, you're you're 10 million percent of the Nobel Prize winners or, you know, for you for having such a small um, rep- representation population wise, you are, there's so many people in this
2: industry. Right, and, like- and Bart, for for the education of, of some of your listeners, the type of email that says so many Jews win Nobel prizes and produce movies are sent by precisely two sorts of people. Your uncle Seymour and you know stormfront magazine whitenational.org <laughs> there's a weird way
3: there's a weird way in which jews want to be proud of their success in america right like we you know came here with nothing and now look look at us but it also makes a lot of us deeply uncomfortable because we don't want to draw attention because we know that a lot of nefarious uh subtext to to sort of these like anti-jewish sentiments is like oh look at jews they run the banks they run the movies they run this and it's like It's 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 a fine line between even even, you know, Jews and money like Jews are good with money that 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 stereotype is often used as a compliment. But if I hear that, I feel I feel genuinely uncomfortable because that's something that is deeply problematic. And 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 then the knives
0: come out like four seconds later.
3: Yeah. And as we discuss on our episode that airs this week, it's like it's a something that's been weaponized and it comes out of out of anti-Semitism and it's been weaponized by anti-Semites. And it's it's a little icky for me.
2: Uh, t- t- to give you a taste of that famous Jewish disagreement, um, I-, 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 I have less problem with it, to be frank, because um, I-, I think this principle of chosenness, if you take it seriously as a theological idea, which I really do, uh, you know, both seriously and uncomplicatedly. I see it as a sort of, of of you know as a sort of theological engine you know the thing that drives us to all these successes it's not the success necessarily that matters to me it's the spirit that animates it the spirit that derives from at some point in history being brought together as a people uh, asked by god or called by god onto this you know task of being a, a, a nation of priests uh, etc which takes a lot of figuring out to do, and that figuring out, I think, is what moves all these accomplishments, all these uh, you know moral obligations, uh, all this greatness. But
0: but Leo, that's so weird for me to hear you say that. I mean, I, it, it makes sense knowing you, but like it's it's still weird for me to hear you say that because the like one of the reasons I feel so attracted to Judaism is. Whenever I say to people like, look, these are all these values and things I love, you know, you know, but I can't believe in a supernatural God. I don't believe in any of that. People go like, oh, you're a Jew. Like, <laughs> you know, you know, like, ju- Judaism is the only sort of group that like you can still get into if you don't believe in God at all.
1: Well, uh, right. I mean, there are all kinds of Jews. And I think, you know, my point of view, and we've talked about this part is that um, is that most of our most of us have a relationship to theism that changes daily, if not hourly, right? I mistrust anyone who says I'm an atheist only because I think at some points in the day or the week or the month or year, they're not. Just as I really mistrust people who say, you know, as Rod Dreyer once said to me, that he always believes in God, that it's that he's never has doubts. Or he says, sometimes I don't feel it as deeply, but it's, you know, where it's occluded, the clouds go in front of the sun, but I know it's there. And I thought, really? Like all the time? And I think most people are, are somewhere on that on that continuum, uh, in a fluctuating way, I think the thing about Judaism is that it's not the most important conversation for us, or it's not the only important conversation. In the way that for evangelical Christians, no other conversation even comes close. Um, so you know, we have we have other conversations that we have to have because we have a principle of descent, right? We have some claim to being Jewish if if our mother was, and some would say if our father was as well. Um, and, and we have, um, and there is a strong, there are several Jewish cultures, right? That um, the, the, the Ashkenazi one being most prominent in America. So there's other conversations to have. Um, but yes, like I think, I mean, you, you you vibe as very Jewish to me. Like, you, you know, we'd, we'd be happy to welcome you on board. Well, and, and thank you. Athe- atheism and all, you're welcome. Yeah, and, I,
0: and, and that, but I think that that's the question that I have is one of the things mark you once said to me was that you know you don't feel like anti-semitism is all around you all the time here in the united states at this stage in the game but you feel like
1: it's like
0: an inch below the surface and could be re-tapped into at any time
1: i think uh, did i get that right more yeah i mean i i might have said that it it sounds right the My old teacher, Paula Hyman, who was one of the great pioneers of Jewish women's history and also, you know, sort of modern Jewish history, French Jewish history as well. She always said that um, it's cyclical. It always comes back. You know, so sometimes it really is pretty well gone, except it always comes back. And I think that's right.
0: And do you think it? I mean, I mean, in in this like we're living in this very identity politics time right now. And I, I and I don't you know, I mean. I don't even know how to define identity politics in a clear, cogent way half the time. But that's because but you're normal. This, what's that?
2: That's because you're normal. You're th-
0: you're thinking about more important things. <laughs> but is this a time where it comes back?
2: Well, I don't think so. So, see, I, I share the problem that I hear you may be having with identity politics. I think it is a it is a kind of a, a, a thwarted, not particularly intelligent and definitely not interesting conversation. Uh, And the sort of people who are having it are the sort of people who are actually not interested in real answers. They're interested in creating some sort of hierarchy uh, of suffering that, you know, oddly, uh, almost never includes the Jews, as if, you know, we don't have any suffering to show. Uh, but, But I could say, you know, like you, this is not a question that interests me in the context of our our silly uh, little debate about identity politics that we're having in the media, what interests us more, and I think part of the reason why we have the show, is the kind of first question that you asked, hey, I thought I could be this thing without believing in God. Honestly, you know, Bart, that's a question I still grapple with. I mean, most mornings, I'm kind of in the Rod Rehr camp, like I, I feel God, uh, you know, uh, often, uh, almost always, uh, wherever I go. And like, there are days in which I say to myself, But it doesn't make sense. You know, how could you really be in this club and not believe in the thing that's so central to it? And then I hear, you know, voices like Stephanie's and Mark's be like, yes, their answers are very good and they make a lot of sense. But then a day later, I feel very different. So I think for us, the discussion about religion versus people versus culture and the push and pull of every single one of those threads is very, very massive. And and you want to be very intelligent about it, not to open the borders too porously, as in to say, "Well, whoever feels Jewish is Jewish," because that's clearly not true. And at the second, and, and, and at the same time, not to be like, "Well, whoever doesn't pray three times a day and sacrifices a bull upon the altar is not Jewish." You know, y- you want to kind of have a, an important, meaningful conversation. I think that conversation is is so much of what Judaism is and has always been. So it's it's like I, I can't just get in by watching Mrs. Maisel.
3: Look, you can. That'll be a good start. Also, because I appear in a <laughs> flicker of the last scene as an extra on season two, episode three. Are you so that serious? That is a good start.
1: Yeah.
0: Yes. Oh yeah. My Our gosh, producer, that, Josh Cross, like, and I. That's a Jewish status symbol, isn't
3: it? It's Yeah. It's like my mitzvah <laughs> was my first rite of passage. This is my adult Jewish rite of passage. i but so look, proud. There's a way in which... Part of being pro-Jewish, right? Like semitic I don't think is the right word here. I think you want to be pro-Jewish is like, yeah, you can take in the kind of culture, popular culture that that sort of depicts Jews. Um, and you know, I can't tell you the number of people who are not Jewish who I've met or encountered who have basically said to me, "Oh, you know, like who see me?" And they're like, "You know, I, I forgot to tell you, I've been watching Mrs. Maisel."
2: <laughs> as a way of saying like
3: i did a jewish thing and that to I, me I like the jewish it makes me a little uncomfortable because i'm like do they know why Why did she just say that to me and my husband will be like you were on the show like you cannot be mad that people are identifying you with jewish shows um but i think there's a way in which being just supportive right not just saying oh you know jews are jews are are fine they they they're not a minority. Like you can there's a way in which non-Jews can be supported by just listening. Right. Like an awful thing happened in a synagogue that that sadly is what it takes for a lot of people to pay attention. Um, and now that hopefully we have people's attention, they can you know think about the ways in which we. We consider different groups, right? Like Jew, Jews, clearly were targeted for being Jews, and I think it, I think it just calls for all of us to think. You know, what does it mean to be? What does it mean to be Jewish? What does it mean to go to a place and not feel safe in your in your house of worship?
1: There, there was. Um there's an interesting problem it occurs to me that you're kind of grappling towards, which is that if I want to find out what it is to be an evangelical, I know where to go. There's there's a mega church somewhere off a highway interstate that's been market tested and has a really good food court and will welcome me and give me a one-hour –
3: Those free parking spaces. Free
1: – good parking with a one-hour show with a good rock band uh, with a strangely underdressed female lead singer who's probably married to the pastor. Right, Bart? Something like tells know. me you've been to this church. Right. I've been to that <laughs> church. Right. I know how to get to that church and experience – A certain kind of evangelicalism. I think a lot of people who want to be pro-Jewish don't know. I mean, as Stephanie said, like one start is watching Mrs. Mays. Like one start is encountering some aspect of Jewish culture. Right. And engaging with it. Um, uh, But beyond that, what's the next step or what's a different step? People don't go to Israel go to so going to Israel's is one way though most american Jews have never been to Israel right so that's True. you know that that's one way and then you'll meet israelis who are you know our beloved cousins and, and Maze, israelis <laughs> we even let them on american podcasts sometimes um and and uh, uh but what what does one do and there's no one answer right i can't say well go to the synagogue on the corner of you know fifth and elm and you'll find judaism because that's the judaism for some people we have you know it's sort of like saying how do i encounter christianity right because the catholics will have an answer fifty thousand varieties of protestants will have answers the eastern orthodox will have an answer so there's no one good answer one thing i would say is um, that most gentiles i know who who don't know a lot of jews they tend to define judaism through the one or two jews whom they do know so if they knew an Orthodox guy growing up or an Orthodox woman, ah, I knew some Jews once, you know, there was, there was Moishi, the butcher. He was this Orthodox guy, neighbor or if they grew up in a fairly sec, secular, uh, you know, liberal community w- and knew a lot of secular or highly reform or assimilated Jews, they say, oh, Jews don't believe in God and Jews do everything Interestingly they want. to
2: I think the same is true of Jews and other Jews, right? Like, you know, I know people who know precisely one. Orthodox person be like, oh, Orthodox people do this. Be like, right. That Orthodox person is one of maybe seventeen different you right. know, flavors of orthodoxy. Right. Like, no.
1: So I think part of what I would say, Bart, is uh, if someone were serious about saying I, I want to know this people better, there's a little homework that's involved. So I was very moved after the Pittsburgh shootings when some of my neighbors showed up at my synagogue that Saturday, and these, and my synagogue's a fairly um, observant place with a pretty long service, uh, and. They saw a kind of Judaism that they hadn't seen before that took them. D- it's more about the reading of the Torah.
2: Or or for that matter, that most Jews have never seen before.
1: Right, uh. right. And that has really nothing to do with Mrs. Maisel. Uh So that what they got in those three hours on that Saturday morning was an insight into a chunk of Judaism that Woody Allen and the bagel shop and Mrs. Mazel don't give you.
3: Well, and then you watch Mazel after.
1: Right. <laughs> <Then you laughs> go while home. eating a bagel and
3: a, <laughs> a, a, a babga. Right. Well, a and that's told. the
1: thing, like. I, you know,
0: I grew up in the suburbs and went to an Ivy League university, and so the you know, I went to Haverford College before that. So, you know, the Jews I was hanging around with were these ultra liberal, um, you know, highly educated, mostly secular Jews. And yeah. so, like, may, may, maybe you know, maybe I'm not as pro Jewish as I thought. Like, you know, because I, I, because I, I would probably be as not. I, I would probably be as disoriented by the, you know, Liel's gang as I am when I walk into a really fervently believing, charismatic Christian congregation. Where I'm like, you guys really believe this stuff? <laughs> you, uh-huh. you know, w- yeah. Whereas the mean, Jews I-, I was around, the Jews I was around, were, you know, these were the,
1: the architects of secular humanism, if right. you will. And one of the things, one of the points I always want to make, and this comes up a lot as certain members of Congress and others are grappling with their own issues of anti Semitism or the Women's March, which has had anti Semitism at, at the highest levels, when they try to Formulate apologies and say, oh, we're down with the Jews. They prove this by always reaching out and getting a pat on the back from some super, super secular assimilated left wing Jews, um, many of whom are my people. Right. And, and those are the people I come from. But the real test if, if are you do you care for Jews? Do you do you understand Jews is can you also spend time with people who are not the most comfortable Jews for you? Right, who Jews who are fervent God believers, or Jews who dress in particular ways that mark them as Jewish, Jews who aren't really, really safe—you know—the the, the NPR Jews, and and a lot of people who are looking to be uh, to feel that they know Jews don't actually want to know right. those Jews as well,
2: including I think, many Jews. I, I think I think that's exactly the 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 kind of right litmus test, and I think again it has to do. The answer is true internally as well externally, right? Because. It has also to do with, I think, any Jew who wants to be seriously sort of Jewish literate or or Jewishly literate uh, ought to take the same course and, A, uh, study and understand a little bit about the fundaments of both the culture, the history, the people, and the religion. B, listen to our podcast. uh, Well, first listen to our podcast, then study, then really start interacting with all sorts of Jews. So, you know, when I, for example, uh, I have a a long time and well-documented Catholic fetish, uh, so in addition to reading, I also did exactly what Mark just prescribed. It's like, OK, I'm I'm going to go hang out with some conservative Catholics who sound and feel and talk exactly like I do. And then I'm going to seek out super, super liberal Jesuits who say things like, wait, do you believe this? Well, yeah, because there's never one flavor to any one strand of humans. That's the genius of humans.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean. It's it's so interesting to me because even as I'm hearing you guys talking about this, I'm also vaguely aware that – not vaguely aware, but fairly aware that within the American Jewish community, there's a lot of fear that American Jews are losing their identity. Like, what, 70% of you intermarry? Um, you know, like all the all the things that like the, that this huge focus on education and, and rational thought and stuff, all the stuff that I like that, like draws me to Jew- to Judaism. Like w- when I talk to some of my Jewish friends, I'm like, yeah, that's fading away, buddy. We're not yeah. we're not as sharp as we used to be.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, your average Jewish kid today is just a lacrosse playing, you know, uh, Fortnite playing vaping bro or, or
2: not that there's anything wrong.
1: Bro at <laughs> what's the feminine of bro? Bra, bra, bro, or bra. I mean, yeah. There's. I don't see a lot special about my kids' generation. I have to say. I mean, they, look, the immigrant hunger is gone. It, you know, not entirely, right? We have. We have actually a lot of immigrant Jews. Um, they're immigrant immigrant Jews coming from from places where there's a lot of anti-Semitism from from parts of Europe. Russia is still sending us uh, immigrants. There are a lot of Israeli <laughs> I mean, a lot of the immigrant Jews to America are Israelis. That's true. Uh, tens, if not hundreds of thousands of them. So, but. In in the broad Ashkenazi mainstream, uh, the immigrant hunger is gone
2: and our kids are, um, you know, they're American. They feel like Americans. See, unsurprisingly, my explanation to the same uh, phenomenon and a phenomenon, obviously, that troubles me. I, I like to say that I think there's nothing sadder than a dumb Jew and they're. A lot of those, so many dumb Jews these days. Uh, my explanation is not, you know, sociological as much as it is theological. I think there is a specific thing that, whether you believed it or not, whether you practice it perfectly or or imperfectly, gave you some kind of driving spirit that drove you to certain achievements or or unlocked certain mysteries. Once you become so removed from it that it is no longer part of your mental furniture, even in the back, 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 back of your mind, right? Once you look at a page of Talmud and it means nothing to you, once you read a Bible and it absolutely, you know, does not speak to you and sound completely foreign to you, once all that tradition has been completely cast aside, you really, you know, in, in, in this foundational fundamental way, sure, you still belong to the Jewish people, but there's nothing about the, 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 the kind of, you know, uh, you just like
0: everybody else. You're just, You're just like, like, everybody
2: like
3: everybody else. I don't know. I don't. I don't have such a stringent take on that. Like Thank I feel God for I that. feel you know I'm the resident young person on this podcast. Um there are people f- for whom like a bagel with lox is a religious experience. And yes, that's problematic in a lot of ways, but I don't think we are like I think we are very quick to write off all these people, but you know, who's to say what is I know obviously Jewish texts and stuff is important, but I don't know. I think that we're dealing with a generation of people who are expecting to do things their way on their own time. And so... Judaism has changed over See, but, millennia. But me,
2: here's, I agree with you up until the last sentence because to me the whole notion of peoplehood is that you don't get to do things your way. You do things the way your people do it and have always done it. With variations, with conversations, what about with like complications. an app where you could
3: schedule it at a time that works for you? Yeah. Delivered to your house. Yeah. See,
2: I,
0: I hate to say this, Stephanie. I really hate to say this, but I, I think Leo's right. Because <laughs> You know, when I think about the work that I'm doing among secular people, I mean, you know, sometimes people jokingly say, you're trying to invent your own religion. And I go like, exactly. Because religion does something in terms of a tribe, in holding it together, but also in focusing its individual members on – their, their, their own values. Like they, they, they drive, they, they, they're part of the tribe because they share those values, but none of us can hold onto our values by ourselves. We need to be reminded daily, weekly, we need to have all these rituals and all these things. And so, you know, the idea of like, I'm going to do this my own way on my own time. I'm like, you're missing
1: the point. Can I, can I split the difference here? I I think that Bart you know that I think that you're right about the importance of of rituals and structures and routines and in in terms of I mean I think Liel would, would emphasize the the theological um outlook that works through those kind of those structures but, not but only. also community
2: building right that like It's it's community building I but mean it's something if if I may a very quick interruption so, so recently ish I I started praying three times a day right Um, even if you take out the actual belief, right, the knowledge that three blocks of time amounting to about, say, an hour and an hour and 15 minutes a day, right, are blocked by me doing a specific thing at a specific time, reciting a specific text that everyone else around me is doing at the exact same time. That's a very powerful kind of resetting of the, of the. That's what Mark's saying. So so here's,
1: but here's where I want to want to say that Stephanie's onto something as well, right? Which is, um, there are people, uh. Whom Stephanie's talking about, for whom the encounter with Jewish cuisine or what they, with the, what they engage as Jewish culture, um, is is really profoundly about membership and belonging. That is to say, they are really excited to feel when they walk into. A restaurant that's Jewish in some sense or into um, a theater show where they know 90% of the people here are Jewish because it's, a a, it's the Yiddish fiddler on the roof or listening to the podcast. And we've actually become that common text for a lot of people who are really excited to be like, yeah, I'm Jewish and this is my Jewish thing. And their sense of their sense of ethnic belonging and of solidarity and of being part of a civilization is really, really strong through the portal that they're entering it. And in fact, stronger than people who have a superficial kind of aspirational, but ultimately not very rich engagement with text. Like, sometimes I'll, I'll be in a synagogue and I'll walk past the room where they're doing, like, you know, Tuesday morning Maimonides or Rashi study, and there's a few people there and they look a little bored, but they told themselves, I'm going to learn this year. Like, this is the year I'll take one of the rabbis' classes, and they look pretty checked out, and they seem to have less sort of zest and vigor for their community they're part of than some people who do, like, Jewish single stuff that revolves okay, but wait, around— wait, 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 wait. I'm going
0: to interrupt you because— oh, very Jewish. Like, radio. it's your
1: podcast or something, yeah.
0: Paul? Well, no, and Stephanie— I'm, I'm
2: I'm coming at you, okay? Because I'm
3: ready as, for it. I thought we were friends, but I'm yeah. ready for Mark, it. She
2: just watched The Godfather for the first time on Saturday. Just watch out, man. You
3: come to me <laughs> as Studios. a secular humanist
2: who yes. used
0: to be an evangelical Christian.
1: As a secular, what,
0: what my father always says to me is, he says, you know, he says you talk about all these morals, but he said they were all developed by the Christians in the church, and you're running on the fumes of our religion. And what I want to say to you is, that is and, and like I take offense to that, but I know where he's coming from. What I want to say uh, to your
1: dad is the Christians
0: didn't actually get like, like, them. Of, of, of course, of course Stop. There's, there's layers of wrongness in this, whole thing. but, but Stephanie, yes. when you're, when you and your app loving bagel sniffing, <laughs> young people are like going like, I'm so Jewish. Look at, look at me eating a bagel. Um, what i think is is that that is only meaningful because Liel and his buddies and all the rest of them are still doing all the all the stuff so like you you, got, you get like a little bit of like a little a bit past.
3: past okay a little so here's past what I
0: in think. there. but if they all started do, living like you lived if everybody was living like you you and your buddies are living, the bagel would mean
2: nothing. Before Stephanie answers, you should know that Mark just wrote in big letters the phrase bagel sniffing on a <laughs> piece of paper and is just waving it around <laughs> happily. Look, I,
1: you know, like I, We've been called bagel munchers, Bart, but no one's ever called us bagel sniffers before.
0: <laughs> <What> <laughs> and I here d- I am trying to be pro-Jewish, pro pro-Semitic, pro pro and I'm, I'm,
1: I'm coming up with
0: new I slurs. S-
3: I sniff like I've never been <laughs> bagel this morning. I'm feeling great. Um, what I think is... If, that I'm actually most... It's moved. the
1: anorexic Jewess's diet. <laughs> <When> <laughs> Just I,
3: sniff the bagel. <laughs> when I... What, uh, what, what I am most moved by are organizations that are started started by young Jewish people. For example, there's one called At The Well, which is Jewish women um, converging on these Rosh Hodesh on the, on the first of the month and sort of celebrating Jewish female ritual and taking back, you know, these like ritual purity laws. Like it's sort of finding meaning in things that are like specifically female and divine and things like that. And to me, that is a very powerful way. Look, we've all been turned off by the Jewish communal structure. There's, It's less about the books and less about the text and more about the fact that like, okay, you went to Hebrew school and it was probably boring. And then they tried to make you go to Hebrew high school. And then maybe you were active in Hillel. And then now you're in a city by yourself. And I, I think that we have to be realistic about the trends of, of, of just society right now, of demographics. People are not getting married as young as they used to. They're not moving to the suburbs, they're not instinctive, instinctively joining a synagogue right away so that their kids can go to preschool. Like there are are a, a, a big bulk of people who are sort of like in between all of these things. And
0: and, and that's but Stephanie, that's what I'm saying to you. Is I think there's one generation that are part of those institutions. And then there's a second generation that's identity is defined by stepping away from those institutions and going like, I grew up that way. I'm not that way anymore. And you're like, yeah, that's what we have in common. But then what I'm saying is one generation down the road, you got nothing.
3: Well, I think what I'm saying is like there are people who are trying to find new Jewish ways of of engaging and I and they don't know what it looks like yet. And there's a lot of groups being formed. You know, there's people who do things called Moisha House, which is just basically like these houses in in places and people live there and they do programming for young people. People are really, really, really trying because I think in a lot of ways they've been failed by our, our institutions, religious and communal alike, because there is no place for a young, for a single person. Like, w- you don't, you can't join at the family rate. You know, why would you join a synagogue if you're single? Like, there's a lot for the, of this For the
1: non-Orthodox. Yeah, the non-Orthodox, right? I right? think the like, orthodox are brought into structures really, really well.
3: But I think there's a way in which we, we can't just look at these people and be like, oh, they're gone. They like bagels. They don't go to synagogue in the way that we do. And I, I don't like the way that looks. I mean, I think we need to be open to the fact that the young Jewish life today looks very different than it did a generation ago, but that doesn't mean it's not there.
1: But look, if it, ultimately, the question you're talking about is, is there something in the blood, right? Like, can it, can it down to almost no text knowledge and a very sort of attenuated cultural knowledge that doesn't know Yiddish anymore and that doesn't live in Jewish neighborhoods anymore or whatever. But there's some ancestral, you're one-eighth Jewish, right? Let's look two generations down. You got people who are one-eighth or one-sixteenth Jewish who feel Jewish because it's interesting and maybe the family lore that means the most to them is the particular great-grandparent or grandparent who had a strong knowledge base. Are you talking
0: about the Elizabeth Warren Jews?
1: Exactly. Right. Yeah. And at that point, what is it? Now, the Lubavitcher Hasidim would say to you, every Jew has a spark, right? It's still there. The Jew is still constitutionally different from the Gentile. And if you find the right way to access that spark by inviting them to a Shabbat dinner or asking them to put on tefillin, the, the little prayer boxes that you wrap around your arm and head if you're a Jewish man, or ask the Jewish woman to light Shabbat candles, the spark can get reignited and we can begin to lead them back down the road to sort of meaningful ritual engagement and learning and blah, blah, blah. And, and there are some people people for whom that's true. But they believe metaphysically that the spark is still there inside the Jewish soul, no matter how attenuated the the, you know, no matter what 23andme or ancestry.com tells you. And then there's those of us who are a little and I don't know where Leah would come down on that. Um then there are those of us who are a little more in the in the rationalist, you know, uh, Darwinian mindset would say, "Ah, there's no Jewish spark coded into my dna there's something that has to be preserved and at some point the cord is just cut and what a dad like me is struggling for is to make sure that it's not with my children that the cord is finally cut
0: yeah yeah it's i mean it's to me it's such a problematic if it's in the blood like that's really. whenever people talk about it's in the blood it's in the genes it gets problem. well
1: if only I mean, it is problematic in the hands of Nazis, right? But if only, right? If only you could say that there's always something that could be re-accessed just by by you know rubbing behind the left earlobe or something. I mean, look, this is fairly. Maybe I'm being cavalier about evangelicals, Bart. You tell me how it's so easy for evangelicals because all it takes to reignite it, if you're, I mean, here you are. You're this total heretic. You've you've fallen away. You don't believe the narrative anymore. What happens if your great great granddaughter uh, wants to re-engage re-engage? I, I, am i mistaken or does she just respond to an altar call and one day at church she goes oh, out and, and gets, gets baptized and she's a thousand percent back in
0: right yeah, you, yeah if you believe
1: you're in and judaism like uh-uh you know i mean leaving aside the whole question of, of how difficult conversion processes are we say you have to have a jewish mother or father or i mean there's so many there's barriers upon barriers upon barriers yep. see and my thing is i believe
0: like i believe that humans are tribal for very evolutionary reasons. And the reason I like – the reason I'm so attracted to Judaism or Jews is because I feel like it's the it, – if, if being tribal is human, Jew, Jews are like – they're the pen, they're the ultimate. Like the, they're, they're the tribe that does it, you know, figured it out. And, and survived against all odds. Um, and so what I want to take, the reason I'm so excited about Judaism is, is just because I feel like there's so much to learn about being tribal. And I feel like if the Jews lose that. They, they would just have to go back and study old Judaism again and like learn like,
1: oh, yeah, we're going to need some rituals. We're going to need some songs. No, well, here's – look, we're, Bart, here's the good news, right? And, and Liel's chomping. I have bad some, news. Right? I'll give you the good news. The good news is Jews aren't going anywhere because we have about a million ultra-Orthodox Jews who are having seven to 12 kids per family. That is good news. right So there's the news that like Jews aren't going anywhere. But here's the thing. Those aren't the Jews you fell in love with. Um, I think they're lovable. And I think that they are as they are as meaningful a part of the community as I am. But the Jews that secular and liberal American Westerners fall in love with are open minded and and NPR listening and New Yorker reading and fully engaged with modernity. They're sort of like the ultimate awesome, you know, modern and postmodern. You know, culture vultures, and that's not the Jews who are marrying Jews and having seven to twelve children. So, how are you feeling about like the days when you have to go talk to like Breslaver Chassidim in Brooklyn, in Borough Park, to get your Jewish fix? It's a different. It's a different thing. I think it'll be interesting, but it's at that point we've ceased to become the sort of mediators of modernity par excellence that you want us to be.
2: And and in a weird way, and and herein lies the bad news, right? And in a weird way, I think. This challenge is not so much, uh, or l- let me put it like this, this challenge is, is indicative not just of the state of the Jewish community, but also very much of the state of modernity, because this thing, Bart, that you so graciously and generously said that you felt attracted to, this tribalism, right, uh, is actually the one thing that so much of contemporary political culture is responding vehemently against. Well, what do you mean? you guys are different. What do you mean you're not part of this global universal sameness? What do you mean you're a people apart? It sounds, you know, like ethno-nationalist. It sounds bad. It sounds bigoted in some sort of weird way, according to today's, uh, you know, I don't want to use the word replacement theology, but I think that's much of what the left is is in de facto practicing. Um, we have to watch out against that. And I think, uh, that is an overwhelming challenge to a lot of not very, uh, educated, uh, contemporary Jews who just come up and say like, yeah, that feels icky to me. What do you mean I can't marry someone just cause they're not Jewish? Um, that is pretty much a recipe guaranteeing that the Jews you will see 30, 40, 50 years from now, they're going to have beards and black hats.
1: Cause they're going to be all this left.
2: Yep. Bar. just so you know, we have five minutes left.
1: I'm sorry. I to know. I know. I'm, no, I'm, no, no, no. Bart, we would love um, to do two hours. you. We're really like, you're not imposing on us at, at all. all, at all. We love this conversation and this is amazing. Um, We just had th- this morning. We happened to have someone who could only come in at 10. Usually we have till noon. And, like once we're done at nine 30, we have till noon, but
0: this, this, no, this is fine. I mean, like we'll do it again. Yeah, and, we, and We'll we, do it again.
1: anytime you want us at like nine 30 or 10. We're yeah, on. No, we, you.
0: we will. We'll keep talking. I, it, I mean, the weird thing is for me is like, I'm not frustrated because we're getting cut off. I'm frustrated because I feel like it, like intellectually, I'm not. Like, I'm, like I, I'm not getting it. Like, I'm not I, – I, there's something wrong with me. Um, like, what, what you just what you, said, What are you all, not getting? The tribalism thing. I, I know, like, I get in trouble whenever I pray in praise of tribalism. I, I just – I'm convinced that there is such a thing as a tribe that draws a circle and says, this is us. And we're – def- right. what defines us is that we're not against them. We're for them. But we're not them. Because we're us. Like, I think I want everybody to be in a tribe. Agreed. And I don't want all the tribes to be the same. That would be boring. I just want everybody to have one because I don't think human beings do well when they feel like they're not part of something.
2: Um, I will say something, you know, even I I would take it a step further. I think you're absolutely right. I I think, in fact, if you really are looking for an ability – to kind of understand and, and truly connect to other people, you could really only do it from the very specific vantage point of your own tribe like experience. If you if you believe this kind of, you know, mishmash of of postmodernism, you know, everyone's alike, everything's the same, culture is an invention. That actually to me kills any possibility for real empathy.
1: Yeah. And the other thing I'll say is I don't think – I know that you get slammed as we do when we speak pro-tribalism, but everyone loves a tribe when it's the Amish or the Quakers, right? Everyone loves a sort of, you know, the, the tribe they think of as pacifist and beautifully bearded and they make good furniture. You know, you're, you're Shakers, you're Amish, you're the, right? Uh, they just don't like other tribes that, you know, stick their necks out too far or that, that, that are a little too – pushy or uh, whatever or that they don't like be- tribes of power yeah so I I look I think you're right I mean I think to you know to get back to your question about what can someone do to be pro-semitic I I actually think it it involves meeting I would give this prescription meet some new Jews right not just your Jewish neighbor not just the Jew you encounter in your in your weekly round of errands the sort of Jews who are already in your circle but um, you know go to go to a service at the synagogue that's not the one that has a couple of your friends in it already. Yeah, and I'm going to say one and, last thing, and, and I'm going to let
0: you go. And that is, I, and and Leo, you know, this isn't just because I like you, but like people should listen to the damn podcast because because the truth of the matter is is that a lot of people know a lot of Jews, but they never talk to them about what it means to them to be Jewish. Like they,
1: and a lot of the Jews wouldn't want to talk about Judaism. I know. Because it would make them ashamed or or it would skeech them out. And I think that that's the thing is that I think that leaves the field open
0: for the people to make the snarky anti-Jewish comments. Because the rest of us in many cases don't feel confident enough in our Jewish dialogue. We don't feel like – that we can sort of say anything about – Jewishness without, make a joke. Like I've made a couple of jokes and you're like, who are you? You're not allowed to joke. You know, you're not allowed to say those. And, and, and I feel like you have to, we hereby give you permission yeah You have to hang around with Jews permission. enough that you get comfortable talking about Judaism. So then when something, somebody says something negative about Judaism, you're able to, you're able to speak to that, you know, comfortably. So I just think like, I really appreciate your guys' willingness to go like, yeah, we'll set aside an hour and talk to Bart about like
1: Jewishness. Absolutely. Well, you're you're a more interesting person to talk to about it than a lot of Jews we know. And, um, uh, yeah. Can we do this again sometime soon? Yeah,
0: I love you. I love all three. And Stephanie, forgive me. Love
3: you too. Oh my I god. Know, I, know. I, 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 I know. I know.
0: I know. I know. I came at you. I didn't mean to.
3: You're so you're so much nicer than these guys. <laughs> I can take. I can. I can take it. Don't worry. I'm not that young.
0: All right. I hope you have a wonderful 10 o'clock podcast. You're, you're beautiful. I'll talk to you guys later. God bless you. Thanks, Bart. Oh, <laughs> stop it. You, that's cheap shots, Neil. Praise the Lord. <laughs> go to hell.
3: <laughs> we don't believe. See you now. later.
1: Bart is moshpocha. Do you know the word moshpocha, Bart? No. Uh, it's, it's, it's family. It's Yiddish, Yiddish or Hebrew for family. It's, but moshpocha uh, is like, you're your You're family.
0: What a nice thing to say. All right. I love you guys. I'll talk to you later. Love you too.
1: Enjoy Bye. the snow. Bye. All right, so
0: that was me and Mark and Stephanie and Liel. And could you tell, I I just think those guys are so lucky to have each other. And I feel so lucky to kind of have had a couple of chances to drop in and sort of pretend I'm like the fourth unorthodox. You know, like the guys who tried to be the fifth Beatle. I I would like to, you know, I I kind of kind of long to be a secular Jew hanging with those guys. Um, but I'm not. I'm a lonely humanist. And the truth is I'm only lonely when you don't take the time to send an email um, or to check in somehow and and, and and let me know that you're out there and that you're digging what we're doing or that you're hating what we're doing and you want us to, to, to pivot and do something better. Um, it's just great to hear from you when we hear from you so you know you know how to reach me barcampolo.org or, or the hu- or humanizemepodcast.com which i just found out there was such a thing that takes you to, they take you to the humanize me page this was fun it was this I'm, I'm, i hope you enjoyed that that conversation as much as i did and i look forward to seeing you next time on humanize me For more on BART, go to bartcampolo.org. If you like this podcast, please consider supporting it every month and get extra content for it. Go to patreon.com slash humanize me. Our patrons do make the show happen. Follow us at humanize me pod on Twitter and humanize me podcast on Instagram. You can also join other listeners on our private Facebook group. Just search humanize me on Facebook. To ask your own question on the show, leave it as a voicemail at 424-291-2092. That's 424-291-2092. And finally, please review us on iTunes. It really helps. Catch you next week. Humanize Me is a production of Jux Media. You could be larger than life. You